Today's TribCast is presented by Raise Your Hand Texas and UT Arlington. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, I'm gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are This is San Antonio City Councilman Ron Nuremberg. There's not a more urgent need in Texas cities than the investment in public education and the elimination of smooth jazz radio. So thanks so much for tuning in to NPR and enjoy this week's TribCast. Here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the final week of January. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. He's in a, suddenly in a very blue mood. He'll tell you why. Mary Tyler Moore is apparently on the verge of death, according to Twitter. Do you know who Mary Tyler Moore? I was Moore just going to say, Jim. I've heard some stories about her. Yeah. Yeah. Who is she? Go. Um, stories. Who is she, Mary Tyler Moore? She's the actress. Oh man, good. Uh, Unlike Lamo Svitek, he actually knows stuff outside of his. I'm going to tell Svitek nice, nice you said that. It's on uh, tape. Reporter Jim Malowitz. He'll listen to this. Yo. <laughs> Executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. Uh, Patrick Svitek is probably listening to this while he's like conducting an eating interview. A he's eating some kind of Australian, Australian barbecue, barbecue with the governor. Like with the governor. The, yes. the governor must have learned some new stuff while he was on his tour of Australia. You know, it's right. an, while, while, how to smoke uh, a wallaby, right? While he's not busy uh, removing elective officials he doesn't agree with from office, despite the voters' decision <laughs> to install them, busy removing, not removing, yeah, removing okay. smoke oh, meat me. from the bill. Threatening, threatening, threatening to, to right. Well, they couldn't get rid of Rosemary Lemberg. You know, how are they going to get rid of anybody else? You know, it's interesting. Be, be, driving well, drunk is apparently not as bad as well. It's interesting. Sanctuary sitting okay, while we might, sober. Why don't we start there? Uh, <laughs> Abbott has had also. By the way, if you're tuning in on Facebook, you We're can sorry. say, yeah, apologies. Pathetic. You could also send us a handful of questions, although these guys may filibuster. So what has Abbott's latest move been with regards to the new Travis County Sheriff? First of all, I mean, she he'd say she started it. What, th- what happened? Well, there's a couple pieces here. One of them is the Travis County Sheriff, where he has said, I'm going to take away law enforcement um, funds under the governor's discretion from Travis County unless you um, get rid of your sanctuary county which he's per- he's perfectly in which his he's, right to do which is within you know he can he controls those grants nobody nobody right. bad an eye at do. that he's totally in in his right and then he went on television i guess this morning uh, fox is that right and said that he would like to uh, have a state law that they can remove county officials who don't follow st- uh, Sanctuary city laws, right? Or, Why not or immigration laws or ban sanctuary cities and be done with it? Well, could you still question whatever from, you feel well, about that? What, what's the definition of sanctuary city? Right, that's well, the problem. That's there a little is soft. no definition. Question from Benjamin: Does Governor Abbott have any authority to attempt to remove an elected official from office? No, probably right. not any more than Trump has the authority to do a number of the things that he tweets about in the middle of the night. I mean, does, it doesn't matter the question, because the conversation is now on the table. You know, the next question behind this is if you could remove move an official for this. And, you know, they can make a state law. They can do it. Counties are a unit of the state. Cities are a unit of the state. You could probably figure out some way to do it. If it's going to be done for, you know, city officials who don't enforce federal immigration laws, what else can you do what's, it for? What's mm-hmm. What else is right? I mean, right. you open the possibility. And, it's and like, actually, okay, well, I've got another idea. Right, and when the shoe's on the other foot and it's there, well, guys. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually, I, I think it's interesting to bring up that you know, this is coming from a state governor saying that because of your 
policy working with the federal government that, that I'm going to threaten to remove you or remove your funds. Um, as far as we understand, um, that policy doesn't actually violate federal law. It's just that she's yet. not. Yet. Well, yeah, yet. Yeah, I mean, remember it, which administration you have. Who, who yeah. knows what, what the Trump administration is going to roll out and you know what's going to tweet out. But um, <laughs> right now, um, uh, the Basically, she's she's saying that we're we're not going to detain um, people who may or may not be citizens um, unless we have a judge's order, which complies with federal law. It's just that she's not going above and beyond with ICE to when when ICE asks her to right. detain them. M- M- Malowitz, who always keeps it real and one hundred and I like you know, I like non alternative facts. On the, yeah. you like know, a twelve year old. I am like a twelve year old. Malowitz is of course correct in saying that this is a on the one hand the this conversation is he goes high about, so and goes low. Is that yes? What? It's about, I'm about to go low. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, Malowitz is talking about the state versus the feds, a, a very legitimate topic of conversation. This is actually on another level, like the death of local control mm-hmm. times a million. Yeah. Now it's not enough that we don't respect the votes of. Average folks who go to the polls to put a fracking ban in effect or a bag ban or they don't like the ride-hailing situation in their community and then the state's going to come behind and tell them, we, you know, it's controlling the locals. That's not local control. Now we're going to remove elected officials voted on duly by the voters of a county because we at the state level don't agree with the way that, as you correctly point out, they're enforcing the law. I mean, and come on. The, the will yeah, of the, I mean, you want to talk is, about not respecting a, the will of the voters? There's a lot to unpack there. I mean, you know, the state would say as a legal matter, the cities and counties are a unit of the state in the way that the states are not a unit of the federal government. It's not a federalist system. The counties well, get their that, power. Yeah, Hold on. Yeah. Counties and the cities get um, all of their powers directly from the state, and the state has the power to remove those. The state has the power to remove an elected official who was voted in well, by the The state by has the, the power to control this local stuff. They have to answer to the not state to in a way them. that the state doesn't have to answer you to the federal government. You want to ban sanctuary cities, ban sanctuary cities. Right. You want to say I have the power of the purse to remove funding for counties that don't do what I want them to do? You also are well within your right to do that. Right. Well, this okay, seems to me wait. to be a totally different thing. Step back to that. So in the land of post-Rick Perry indictment, you know, where he basically gets indicted for saying he's going to withhold funds from the Travis County DA's office over Rosemary Lemberg, does, he, does Perry mm. getting cleared mean anybody now, any governor, can basically threaten to withhold funds for any reason is they that really see the, fit? Is it the same, Ross? Though, it's a little saying? bit different because he was asking Lemberg, Perry was to asking Lemberg to resign or he would line item veto funding for the public integrity unit in her office. Abbott, you know, which, by the way, turned out not to be a crime, right? Right. That's Um, what I'm saying. And Abbott, in this case, is saying, you know, I I would like to have a law that says um, I can remove an official. In the case of the funds, the grants have always been discretion of the governor. And because the governor has discretion, he or she can say, you know, it's Tuesday, so you can't have the funds. They don't have to give you any reason. Except he is giving a reason. Right. Um, a question from Donna. How does withholding public safety funds protect the public, which Abbott says is his goal? Well, I think that's probably a good question for Abbott. I don't know if we can actually... <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have him here on this trip, guys. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's... Um, but, you know, but, but he would probably say that neither one of these situations is ideal but that the situation mm-hmm. he'd be responding to mm-hmm. is worse, in fact, right. than the withholding of those yeah. funds. He, he would net. say, yeah, he, you're, you're letting dangerous The thing is, if this is so important, where's the out? political capital at the legislature to pass sanctuary city, a sanctuary cities ban? 
they can, you know, they can pass a sanctuary. You know, I think there's some sentiment for for passing that. Bill. I, I mean, actually think that the, that I think filed. the chance of passing a sanctuary cities ban in this session is better than in is better than in past sessions, yeah. especially since there's momentum coming from Washington. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's down to you know to Jim's very first question, which was what. How are you going to define sanctuary cities? What exactly are you banning? And what, you know, do the police chiefs right. and sheriffs say? You know, one of the big hangups at the very bottom of this is that is the contention from the police that a sanctuary cities thing puts them in a position of enforcing federal immigration law in communities where they're trying to enforce, you know, trying to stop crime. And that if you do this, you'd become hostile to the communities you're trying to police. And there's, and there's already a concern about racial profiling. And if they can mm-hmm. figure out and a way, the race and policing issue that we've talked about in Texas and elsewhere, from and if they figure out a line between, you know, that makes the police chiefs and the, you know, the police happy and, you know, the anti-immigration people happy, that's that's the route they'll take. All right. Well, speaking of immigration, I, I'd can we do one, one last bit on this? Sure. And then I'm going to pivot to the border wall. So, so the controversy over sanctuary cities put up here, mm-hmm. controversy over the Texas Privacy Act, the so-called bathroom bill, put up here. Mm-hmm. The controversy over school choice. Three issues that potentially divide the Senate and the House. Potentially. In order, do I think, which which of those do I think has the greatest chance of, of passage in this session? Sanctuary cities. cities. Yeah. In part because sanctuary cities like school choice, but unlike the bathroom bill, has the pledge support of the governor. The pressure on House members is greater if you got the lieutenant governor and the Senate on the one hand and the governor's office pushing on the other hand. One thing we haven't talked about that may not talk about is that with the bathroom bill, the governor reached out to our Patrick Svitek, or Patrick Svitek had an opportunity during the inauguration. Right, he went up. He went up. Had an opportunity to, to talk to the governor about the bathroom bill, and the governor said, okay, I'm going to tell you what I think about the bathroom bill. Okay, we're all waiting. I'm neutral. He did not say I'm neutral. Well, our headline said he was neutral. Either he said he was neutral or he didn't. Why he, was the headline saying He that? hasn't weighed in on this particular legislation. He said he, in the interview, he said, you know, I think it's really important that people have privacy. And but then, he you know, didn't take no. a position. But Well, the same thing he's done from the beginning, which is I'm going to wait and see the exact legislation. But he did gonna... take a position on school choice before seeing mm-hmm. legislation, and he did take a position on sanctuary cities before seeing legislation. Mm-hmm. To my uh-huh. mind... What he's not doing on the bathroom bill, he has done on sanctuary cities and school choice, and that, by the way, makes them more likely, in my Which mind, to pass the house than the other. Which is stepped on the scale. The bathroom yeah. bill is a lot more likely to pass than school choices. You think so? Oh yeah. yeah. I don't think, the, and I don't think the bathroom bill is likely to pass. Right. I actually wonder about that. You know, I think school choice at the moment has got a little bit of wind in its back. It's got a math problem in the house. It's got a math problem in the House. And name a rural legislator on the Republican side who's who's changed. Right, right, folks. Well, so the Republicans can basically burn 19 votes. So the question is, are there more than 19 Republicans who are not going to support school choice? There always have been. I think school uh, school finance reform has a better shot of passing than school choice. But, of course, Lieutenant Governor said that he believes they've got to be passed in It's certainly not impossible, but it's a really tough slot. So you you would actually say in the order, in order, sanctities, bathrooms, ESAs, and school choice. Well, you education would, savings accounts, right? accounts. You would say in order, likelihood of passage, sank cities, bathroom, school choice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be my wild ass guess if, as of January 2020. One last question. I, want to I think it's is, yeah. interesting that we've chosen these three. We're well, but I'm, picking three, but I'm picking three bills <laughs> that I think are Senate House dividers. Okay. Do you think the, ba- the votes are definitely there for bathroom in the Senate? Yes. No. Do you think the votes definitely there for school choice in the Senate? Yes. 
Probably. Then how can you say that bathroom has a better chance of passing the school choice if it never gets out of the Senate and has no chance of passing? It'll get out of the Senate. I, I, yeah. Wait, well, that's what I just said, and you said no. No, what I'm saying to him is he's saying that school choice has a worse chance of passing the legislature than bathrooms, but he's acknowledging that bathrooms may not have the votes in the Senate. I think bathrooms has a particular problem right now that they have time to solve, and that is if they can reconcile the opposition in business right. with the um, you know, the favorability among voters on this thing, then they'll get that bill out. I don't think they're going to have any luck with the business community. Um, I don't think the votes are there for a lot of policy reasons yeah. on um, school choice. I think the votes are not there for political reasons on bathrooms. What, I think the political mean? thing is easier to solve than the policy Jim thing. Jim thinks yeah. we talk about bathrooms too much. I do. I'm He's Iowa nice. That's the problem with him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a foster care crisis, but no, whatever. Bodies. <laughs> yes. All right. Moving on. Because because we I always mean, that, that, That's about as close to shade as he throws. Uh, and it was directed at you. It was. I, I can handle it. It, it. it was tint, not shade. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, tint. Quickly. So Trump is trying to basically like reclaim the narrative driving his his presidency that has been so far all about thin skin and crowd numbers uh, by, you know, passing or by suggesting a lot of sort of measures, some in the middle of the night, some in the early hours of the morning. Uh, the latest is his um, his most recent border wall pronouncement. What has he said and and who's going to pay for it? There it is right there. They figured out a way for Mexico. I have the breaking news alert from Politico. Mexico figured out how to get the Americans to build a wall and to pay for it. <laughs> to pay for it. Donald Trump will sign two executive actions to clamp down on illegal immigration Wednesday. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer announced the first action will direct funds to begin the construction of a wall on the southern border. Mexico will pay for it, Spicer said. But he just said direct funds to begin the construction. So who's are we directing Mexican funds or our funds? Right. I, or is this wimpy well, politics? We're, we're, I'll build a border wall today and I'll make you pay for let's it. Let's see the Tuesday. RFP for the contract and yeah. we'll go from there. You know, most of the wall that they built, this. most of the unfenced part of the uh, U.S.-Mexican border. Catcher release is also ending. Right. Most, yeah. most of the unfenced part of the border is in Texas. Right. Uh, you know, um, and secure communities is coming back. That's what all So, you says. know, we'll see some contracts coming here, I guess. Right. But, I mean, isn't at the end of the day, Trump has said this is something that Mexico, he wants Mexico to pay for. And Mexico said, hell no, we're not paying for this. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't this taxpayer dollars that we're now directing well, to well, we're this project? We're directing to it now, and then he's saying somehow Mexico is going to pay for it later or reimburse us. Yeah, like what? Um, I, I guess I wonder, and um, uh, the, the cynical reporter in me, oh, really? um, Trump has this history <laughs> of not paying contractors. I mean, is he <laughs> hoping to figure out a way to Yeah, maybe get we'll get it all for free. And not pay them? I mean, yeah, stiff, I'd, stiff the construction industry. <laughs> Let, let's wait and see what the what the contract proposals look and, like. And, and do we know for sure? I mean, so this executive order. I mean, there's so many questions with all these orders. But um, is it actually directing existing funds to this project, or does Congress still have to allocate something? Well, unlike that? unlike the state the government, in the, the power of appropriation is that your point? Well, no, but unlike the state government, the president does propose a budget. That's where the budget right. starts right. on the federal end. You know, the, the governor's budget is, you know, the state the legislature can take it or leave it. Um, but the president writes a budget. If he wants to write a wall into that, then here we go. Yeah. But then they have to pass that budget. And right. They haven't done that in how many years? Yeah. But how many Republicans are willing to vote right. against the wall of a guy who just won an election? Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting. And so then meanwhile, he, he's taken a big swing, I guess, overnight at, at voter fraud, this um, problem that is... We apparently <laughs> need to spend millions of tax dollars to investigate three to five million alleged illegal votes in an election that he won. Right. Right. And, and, as, and opposed to, as opposed refuted. to investigating the Russian 
hacking, hacking of an election. And the argument his lawyers made in the Which Jill Stein of. <laughs> objections to the, you know, Jill Stein was pushing for a recount in a couple of states, and the lawyers for the Trump campaign argued that there is no evidence of voter fraud in this entire election nationally. There's no reason for a recount. Did, did they say nationally or just in those states? I think just in those states. But because he's claiming, I believe, California and Nevada were the source of this illegal immigration, if I'm if I'm hearing the news of this correct. Why? Do, so this all comes down to, right, his insecurity over having lost the popular vote, correct? I mean, is that where what the root of this is? It's, like, what's he trying to, to accomplish? It's hard to see any other logical explanation for it. Um, Although and, Abbott jumped into the fray this morning. Right. And, and, and it's interesting. I mean, Republicans have been claiming that there's um, massive voter fraud for a long time and often kind of hanging it on the fact that there have been maybe dozens over a decade or so in, in different states, uh, dozens of, of prosecutions on various issues related to voter fraud. And very few of them are actually in person. I'm voting, trying to vote as someone else, um, voter fraud. Uh, but this, I mean, to say that millions of votes were swayed, I mean, there's, there's definitely no evidence of that. And it also, um, it's basically casting, it, it's accusing um, state officials everywhere in Republican and Democratic states of, of running a, a system poorly and, and, and not catching millions of, of, of fraudulent votes. Which not to, not to mention saying that they were granted the offices they hold by a system that they <laughs> right. say is broken. is broken and full of fraud. Well, so, and maybe the thing is to, is to stipulate, yes, the election was stolen, and so let's have a do-over. Yeah, right. Well, but, but but what's the implication of this? Or though? You were for Jerry Bruckheimer, right? You did, wanted to do disaster movies, asteroids of the Earth, Irwin Allen. I mean, and if you're broadly going to say let's investigate voter fraud, then then you know by default, don't you want to loop the, this Russian hacking business into the mix? Is, I, you know, another question is: Is he actually going to investigate? Well, it? I wondered about that when saying. I saw when yeah. I saw the mm -hmm. tweet over the night saying we're going to investigate. I thought there's not going to be an investigation because here's what happens: there's no fraud evidence out there. They're not going to investigate and find that there's fraud. So they're going to have to come back and say, no fraud, mm -hmm. which he's not going to want to do. They're just not going to right. investigate. There's also well, a little interesting historical tidbit here. Um, a, a New York Times story from 2007 was circulating um, that talked about how in uh, George W. Bush's administration, he was really, really trying to crack down on voter fraud um, and um, basically over a five-year period found very little. So, I mean, um, it's possible that, that, that we'll see sort of a reemergence. Well, and let me too. join in with my... Um, friend here on which, foster care. Which what one, are we oh, not talking say, about when we're talking about all of these other things? These are all yeah. attractive well, diversions so, so, and mm -hmm. shiny objects and, you know, foster care. He's, and, but he's, you know, he's diverting us. It's The problem is not that we're diver diverting ourselves. We're sure being, is. He, he is attempting to, well, but look, he is we're attempting to divert him. with these late night tweets and these this inability to give up on the fact that he won the election, move on. Right. He's not, he's actually derailing his own message. He's really the one who is we should be having a conversation about policy. There's a lot of work to be done in this country. And yet instead, because he is continually uh, bringing up this stuff, what are we supposed to do? Not ignore the pro – are we supposed to ignore the president? I mean, do, well, do you really believe that we're the problem here? And then yesterday – I think we're part of it, yeah. Sure. Oh, we're absolutely – oh, my God, we're absolutely Yeah, because we're, we're attracted to shiny objects, and he keeps throwing out shiny well, objects to detract from other things. But if An example of this is what happened on Saturday. Was the biggest news on Saturday that the – Press secretary in the White House had a rant in front of the press for five and a half minutes. Wearing a shitty suit. Or that three million people around the country were marching. 
Well, well, that was a deliberate attempt on their part. Well, one yeah, it's just a, it's just a plan. However, I mean, that, that story so was would you rather pretty well? But would you rather a, talk about? Wait, wait, wait. You had a. I'm now. I'm going to jump to the other side of the. Thank you. Fence Welcome. Here. Come on in. The water's fine. You had a press secretary who was spreading falsehoods. It's, he was lying. It's a, it's a at story. A, right. But it's it was clearly a distraction. And why, why are both not a story? And a diversion. They are and, both. And story. I just wonder, you know, when you're when you're chasing all of the every time. Trump spits up. If the president of the and this is not attacking Rosie O'Donnell for being fat. If the president of the United States alleges what would be the largest election scandal in the history of this country, we in the press are derelict in our responsibility if we do not follow it. I don't disagree with that. But if you Mar-a-Lias follow it to the right exclusion, yesterday. if you follow it to the exclusion of other things, which does happen, then I think the it's, bo- it's got to be both, it's both and. I mean, and there, clearly there are enough, you know, national reporters now who are on both of these. There's the, you know, sort of Trump lie watch where every time he says a falsehood, there's a, you know. Right. But, but I do think. What's our policy on that, by the way? What are we going to do? I mean, we call a lie a lie. Put a lie in it, or the word lie in a headline. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Just yes. checking. Glad we've decided this. All right. Uh, <laughs> I just work here. Speaking of lies, and this is unclear whether this is where this actually came from, but so we ended up posting a story last night based on this Kansas City Star report that Trump's transition team, one of their top priorities, infrastructure priorities, was this Dallas to Houston uh, bullet train. But then Politico Pro writes a story that says, actually, that's probably a fake transition team document. I mean, it's like we and then and the Trump administration says nothing on it. Like the stories aren't even straight there. Thank you all for weighing in. Well, we're just, you know, we're, we're waiting for the, you know, what's the real story here? What, is this a real document or a fake document? But how, I mean, it's like, have we ever been in a situation where there's this much, uh, there, there's these many alternative facts abounding? <laughs> Well, I wondered, actually, leaving aside the question of the authenticity of the memo, I thought that the point of the high-speed belt project was that it was privately funded. Mm. Well, so, that's, that yeah. was the original pitch, was right. that, you know, right. we don't need any state funds so for immediately, Well, it was my, that we my, don't need any state funds for my, this. My eyebrows arched at that. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, travel back to Greg Abbott and the legislature for a moment to talk about one of Evan's favorite topics, and that is Wilco. Not mm, the Yankees. Next week, Uh, Wilco, the Yankees, and the the UT Board of Regents. It's like in that order. (laughs) I'm pretty good with the UT. I'm I'm, all right with talking about it. So Abbott uh, has declined to reappoint uh, three members of the Board of Regents, um, including Wallace Hall, who's sort of the the muckraker in chief over there. That's one way to say it, that he declined to reappoint them. Isn't that what happened? Well, factually, that's what, that's what happened. But it is not standard procedure to, not to reappoint. reappoint. Oh, so right. the fact that he didn't reappoint is not, I mean, you know, I, I read Matthew's story mm-hmm. in the Tribune, and I was like, well, did Wallace Hall ask to be reappointed? I'm not critical of it. I just was like, well, did Wallace Hall ask to be reappointed? Because you have, in the case, reasons who have been reappointed where it has been actually a case of them going and saying, please reappoint me. He may have. They may have. The ones who didn't get reappointed. I don't know. But... The, 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 the fact of somebody not being reappointed, correct me if I'm wrong, is not itself his, noteworthy. His, his term was up. They appointed somebody else. That's normal. That happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know the answer to the other thing. I don't know if Paul asked for another term or— I mean, it does represent a, a pretty serious sea change it, on the board. Though. Yeah, it's a, it's you know, a big change it in direction. Well, like the nature you, of the, the people who were departing Elti- by time. <clears throat> right. You know, Kevin Eltife is conservative, but mm-hmm. Kevin Eltife was the most non— grassroots conservative member of the Senate for many years, right? Kevin Altife was the most moderate Republican in some minds. Politically uh, independent, I mean, in a lot of ways. You know, Republican, very conservative. Right. And Janice Longoria had Janice Longoria was awful. Here's a Janice right. Longoria story. So if we had memory serves, Janice Longoria was on and didn't get reappointed 
and it was in part a flap over her support of Kay Billy Hutchison, I believe, against Rick Perry. And so you just said she didn't get reappointed, so that but over she a got, flap. No, no, she's like Grover Cleveland. She's serving two non-consecutive terms. Cleveland terms. came back. She has she's a big right. walrus mustache. Executive. <laughs> right. And then Red Weaver is, uh, is Red McCombs' uh, top guy. CEO, right. So does yeah. that mean we've left behind the days of drama on the UT Board of Regents? I mean, they're... We've left that drama. The UT yeah, Board right. of Regents has been a drama since it was invented. Um, you know, but three of the very conservative voices that Perry put on there and three that were particular, um, you know, thorns in the hide of the administration at, at some of the at UT Austin and some of the other places, uh, some of the other schools are gone yeah. Yeah. or on their way out as soon as the Senate does confirmations. The first sign on confirmations is that they're going to be pretty quick mm-hmm. or they could be pretty quick. Nominations you this know, week. Yeah. Nominations scheduled the tomorrow. confirmation mm-hmm. hearings for starting tomorrow. The issue here is if, if the Senate waits, you know, until the end of the session to confirm, then the three people who are being replaced get to stay until. So, mm-hmm. I also say, you know, Abbott, from a political, just p- pure politics, this is not why he did it, I'm sure, because both Sarah Martinez Tucker, who was part of his last round of appointees, and Janice Longoria this time are both highly qualified expert at this. You know, he's appointed two Latinas to the University of Texas Board of Regents. Pretty good. I mean, it's a diverse. Royce West is unhappy. Royce West sent a letter out yesterday saying, I'm upset. I talked to the governor. There have only been like three African-American mm-hmm. regents in the history of the University of Texas at Austin, or the University of Texas system, I should say. And I went to the governor, and I specifically said, you need to appoint an African-American, and he didn't. And so Royce is upset about this. Senator West is upset. But it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's an interesting group. The six appointees he's made. To answer your question, really do return the University of Texas system to a more level set, right? It's like business as usual. Right. The people he's appointed over these last two. And I think that's meaningful. That's significant. Yeah, he's not not his predecessor. He's not (laughs) loading it with disruptors. And Perry loaded it. Steve Hicks, Jeffrey Hildebrand. No, Steve Hicks. um, Was it Hildebrand, the last one? No. Who was the second? Who else? Uh, No, no, David Beck. Steve. Steve, You're alone. Steve Hicks, (laughs) David Beck, uh, uh, Sarah Martinez-Tucker, and then these three, L. Tyfe, Rad Weaver, and... Janice Longoria, that's like every UT system regents board for all, from, for all time. Well, like you know, the ideological bent aside, you know, Perry sent in disruptors to the right. UT board, and um, he's sending in non-disruptors. We're, not, right. it's not, it's, we're in an era of non-disruption. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, we've talked a lot about Republicans. Let's just pivot briefly for a couple of minutes to um, two uh, Democrats who the state has sort of pinned a lot of, of hopes on, the state's Democrats have pinned hopes on, and those are the twins, the Castro brothers. Patrick Svitek had an interesting story this week about sort of what's next for those guys in the Trump administration. What's your bet? I mean, what do they start sort of angling for? Julian Castro is what, like working on finishing a book? Yeah, he's got a book and no job. His brother has a job. You know, his you know, a job and no book. <laughs> well, Joaquin's still in Congress, and you know, can work from there. The um, the question with these guys is: there a following for them to take advantage of in elective office in Texas, or is their timing just off? You know, the are the Democrats are there enough Democrats in Texas to elect anybody to a you know to a statewide office? Um, and I think that's the calculation that they're going to make. There was a Democratic convention in Houston several years ago. Um, I think maybe two cycles ago, where both of them were asked, you know, are you going to run for statewide office? And they both said pretty straightforwardly, not yet. It's not time for a mm-hmm. Democrat. And I think the answer is still probably not yet if you're looking at that and trying to figure out how to get past a Cruz or an Abbott or whoever it is you're trying to get past. Does Secretary Castro have a harder time running in uh, 2018 in Texas statewide or nationally in 2020? Because that seems to have been the choice posed in Patrick's story. Right. And what does he do in the meantime? 
you write a book and make a bunch of speeches and try to raise your profile. He's never run for office in uh, state government or in the federal government. The only thing he's ever won is mayor of San Antonio. So he, at the very least, would have to build his base and, you know, get some votes and, and some friends in Dallas and in Houston and in Amarillo and around the state. He's got a he's got a this could take four years. Is there any other Democrat who would rival him, you know, if he's thinking about if, if he other actually eventually runs? Right. Yeah. I mean, well, if, any if you take him in his word and he's not going to run for governor, the Democrats have to have somebody. I mean, unless right. Wendy Davis let's, let's, let's acknowledge it, at this t- point four years ago, the Democrats did not have Wendy Davis in mind necessarily to be their candidate for governor. So give them until the end of the session. Mm-hmm. But we are looking over the rise of 2018 and there's not much of a slate coming together. You know, Punchy McGee, Trey Martinez Fisher, may decide to run for something. He's got nothing to do. Right. Uh, I mean, who's got a statewide brand? You know, there's the, not much going on. The way into this, you know, through the party, there's nothing obvious. You know, the the way this has happened in other states, whether it was a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent, is celebrity. You know, if you can, if you don't have political celebrity or or the ability to get votes, maybe you can take um, the you know, the power of celebrity, whether you're Arnold Schwarzenegger or Jesse Ventura or whomever. And Greg, and turn, Pop, Greg Popovich. For turn, I was going to say Greg, Greg Popovich. Popovich. Mark Cuban. I mean, the names always pop right. up. You know, Roger Staubach was on this list for years and years. He was. Nolan Ryan. It's Are the there same any kind existing of thing. mayors, Democratic mayors in Texas? Who, Rawlings. But they don't have, have statewide yeah. followings. Right. The, the problem is who has yeah, a yeah, statewide... Ma- mayors always end up getting a lot less than they think. In Art Acevedo who, and David Brown. Who would really turn followings. your head? If you're yeah. a voter and you're not you know, in state government or in Austin, who turns your head? And the first thing is, well, political stars. Do the Democrats have any? Answer seems to be no at the moment. Are there any other kinds of stars that might turn their heads in a race that otherwise defaults to the Republicans? So Connie Britton for lieutenant governor. That could happen. All right. Let, let, let this yeah. be the, the first floating of that trial balloon. Right. Uh, that's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Thanks so much to Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Ross, Jim, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Seconds. Ah.